Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. My guest today is Jesse Kazimek. Before we get to Jesse, a few announcements. And first and foremost, our website is TravelTalesPodcast.com. And there you'll find stories that I've written, stories that some of the guests have written. You can see links to their social media, and you can see links to our social media that you can click on and follow us on all the platforms. And by all the platforms, I only mean a few. (laughs) That would be Instagram. Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram. We're Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. There's a link to our Facebook page, a Travel Tales Podcast there on Facebook. And there are also links to Stitcher Radio and Apple Podcasts, where you can subscribe for free to this show. And hey, if you're on those platforms, why not give us a good rating? That's a nice thing to do. It helps more people find the show, boosts our presence there. So do it. If you think that you or maybe somebody you know is right for the show, or if you have questions you want to ask me, or maybe you want to heap huge amounts of praise on me, you can write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. I am recording this two days before I finally get off this ship. I'm in my sixth and final week of performing on the MS Zondam on the seven-day Boston to Montreal route, and then seven more days Montreal to Boston, and then seven more days Boston to Montreal, and therefore and back and forth and up and down, and that's been my last six weeks. Shows have gone well. I've been happy with that. I've enjoyed getting to know the towns of Bar Harbor, Maine, Halifax, Nova Scotia, Quebec City. Oh, Quebec City. What a beautiful little town. Charming. Boston and Montreal are both great, of course. Been lucky to spend time in both those towns. And Charlottetown, PEI, Prince Edward Island, has a charm all its own. And one week I actually got a chance to meet my old friend Ed, who I met in 1989, 30 years ago. We met on my first trip abroad. In Europe, he and I met uh, backpacking around. He's a a very friendly Canadian fellow, which many people would consider redundant. (laughs) But uh, he's from Guelph, Ontario. And he and his wife were in PEI with three of their five children. Yeah, I said five. On vacation. And they picked me up uh, when I was in port. And we spent a lovely day at the beach. So thank you, Ed. And it's amazing that we have stayed in touch all this time, and I think without social media, we may have fallen by the wayside. So hats off to the internet for allowing friends to stay in touch. It was great to see him. Regardless, it was overall a pretty good trip, and it was just long. And it was kind of a bummer to miss all of August at the beach in Santa Monica, where I live now, because as I've often said, that's one of the three months of the year that the water's actually warm enough for me to swim in without wearing a wetsuit. It's one of the main reasons I moved to the beach. So I am looking forward to getting back home, and I don't think I'll leave the beach for the rest of September. But while I was on the ship, I worked with several uh, fellow guest entertainers. And my last two weeks, I worked with Jesse Kazimek and his wife, Colleen. And Jesse and Colleen do a Beatles show. And if you know me, you know I'm a huge Beatles fan, so I was excited to hear the music. And he's very talented. They're both very talented. And Jesse plays guitar and sings, and his wife uh, sings as well. And they've been working ships a long time. And in the small world department, it turns out Jesse and I grew up uh, very close to one another. He's from, from the southwest suburbs of Chicago, and I'm like more of the south suburbs, but uh, not far. What are the odds? What are the odds? So in talking with Jesse, I figured, oh, this guy would be a good guy for the podcast. I'm warning you, toward the end, we do get into a little Beatles and uh, overall music talk. But hey, that's something you're going to get with me. It was fun to nerd out a little bit on that stuff. But I was glad that he agreed to sit down with me and chat for a bit. Hopefully, our paths will cross somewhere down the road, or possibly in L.A., where we both live. Anyway, please enjoy my conversation with Jesse Kazimek. Jesse Kazimek. Am I saying that right? Yes, you are. And we I found out you are from Lockport, Illinois, which is... What, maybe we grew up 
I want to say it's by Joliet, right? Yeah, right next to Joliet, southwest suburbs. Yeah, and I was south, so we were probably maybe 20 miles from each other. Yeah, we were kind of neighbors. And now here we are on a boat. What are the odds that we are working together? And you, well, first of all, let's, let's go way back. Okay. Uh, let's describe what you do. You are a musician, you and your wife, Colleen. Mm-hmm. Am I saying that right, or did she go by uh, Colleen? She goes by Colleen. I, her dad, when she was born, her dad just said, no, your name is Colleen. She said, no, it should be Colleen. He said, no, it's Colleen. So that's what she goes by. There's a few Colleens out there. Sounds like a difficult man, I'm going to be quite honest. Yeah, actually, he's not. She's, she's <laughs> no, I, I won't say anything else. But the <laughs> uh, Colleen, your wife, you do a, a Beatles tribute show. I, I guess you don't call it a tribute, do you? Yeah, it's, it's a tribute. It's not a, um impersonation show. We just is celebrating the music of the Beatles. I've been obsessed with them since I was four years old. And uh, it's just a fun chance for us to be nerdy on stage and make a living at it. <laughs> well, you guys are great, though. Did you hear my request shouting out at your uh, at no. your show last night? What did you What did you request? Uh, well, I wanted to stump you because you take requests. Yeah, uh, I know every Beatles song, and I make that relevant in the show early on. And so I ask the audience uh, to request whatever they want. You and I are big Beatles fans, and uh, there are only like a little over two hundred songs, I think. Yeah, the the right now I think it's at about two thirty three, but there's always one or two that pops up that I forget about. You know, so it might be more, might be less. I was trying to stump you last. Now, I was the one who yelled, Tomorrow Never Knows. Oh, that was you. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that was you. That's and I right. also yelled, uh, Dr. Robert and uh, oh, Savoy Trouble. Oh, that, oh, I just practiced Savoy Trouble. The other, <laughs> that song is written, I don't know if you know the history, that uh, George Harrison wrote that about Eric Clapton because he's so addicted to sweets. So that's what he wrote that for. Yeah, him and Eric have a, a long sorted history. Oh, yes, yes, they do. <laughs> but it's funny, when you mentioned Savoy Truffle, I mean, uh, Tomorrow Never Knows, I thought the guy who requested that was sitting in front of me. So I looked at him and I'm like, huh, yeah, I got it. And he looked at me with this weird <laughs> look. Nope, it was me. It was me. So um, uh, tell us, this is a travel podcast. We'll, we'll get it back to travel. I know it's going to veer toward music anyway. Right. But uh, tell me how you started your journey from Lockport to uh, cruise ships. Uh, where, where did that go? Yeah, well, I used to sing uh, in rock bands in Joliet, and I was in a band called Renegade. We were a uh, Sticks and Journey tribute band. Of course you were. Course. Perfect. Were you the uh, Were you the Dennis DeYoung of the group? Or Yeah, kind of. You know, I just sang, sang all the parts. I was... Uh, lay, lay. Yeah, and I, I was 18 years old, and all the, all the other guys were in their 40s. <laughs> well, now I'm, I'm in my 40s, and all the other guys in the band are in their teens. No, uh, so... We were playing at a place called, uh, I think it was either the Stockpot or Alibaba's in Shorewood, Illinois, or the Big Basin Saloon in somewhere. And uh, somebody saw me, a director, and he said, hey, I'm directing this uh, musical called Jesus Christ Superstar. And uh, I've heard of it. Yeah. And I was like, what is that, for church or something? And he said, no, but it pays 100 bucks a week. I'm like, where do I go to sign up for this? So I auditioned. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was a kid, and so I auditioned, and I had really long hair, and I got cast as Jesus. I had no idea what I was doing, so I switched gears. I was a music major in school, and I switched to theater because um, I loved it, and I just kept doing theater, and I did off-Broadway, uh, uh, did tours, now Broadway national tours, and I just until six years ago where my wife and I decided to write our own show because she'd been on, she'd been on tour with Hairspray, the musical, uh, so we'd never see each other, so we found a way to work together play with all my toys on stage, my guitars, and and work together and not miss each other. Did you tour with this uh, band, Renegade? That wasn't the only band you <laughs> no, were in, right? No, no, no. Let's see. There are bands called Just Insane. It was spelled like with a name Justin. Okay. Uh, a band called Redheaded Stepchild. <laughs> and our first uh, C- uh, sorry, cassette tape was called Beach You Like, which is the dumbest... <laughs> Thing. And we were, we sounded kind of like Queensryche meets Dream Theater. Oh, wow. Yeah. Do you have any redheaded stepchild we could? I don't, uh, not here, but uh, <laughs> I think my parents have some of the old red cassettes in the in the basement. The cassettes, yeah. sure. I mean, you got diverted by this uh, theater thing, but was right. there ever a moment, was originally rock that was going to be the gig, man? You were going to do it? Yeah. yeah, well, I have got, I've got a couple albums on, it's on iTunes and everywhere now from like the early 2000s, but I always wanted to play music first. And uh, doing theater and acting and stuff, I mean, it's knock on wood, I'm very blessed to have this happen, but it was like a thing that was like in between of before I actually got to play music. And uh, 
and I, I mean, it's a cool gig, you know, it's a scary gig, but I did it. And, uh, but I'm glad to, to just be doing one job now and been doing it for six years. So it's good. When you were doing musical theater, when did the, when did the cruises come a call in? When did, how did that happen? Okay. So back when I was doing theater, uh, I was living in Chicago at the time and in Oak Park, which we hey, talked about. Hey, where I live, used to live, uh, after college. Yes. And, uh, I auditioned for, it was for Disney Cruise Line. Uh, they had just kind of started their cruise line, and I and I auditioned, and I got cast, and I was uh, a couple different shows. I was Peter Pan in a show called Disney Dreams, sure. and then they had a couple of the Hercules the Musical, and I I did this, and I fell in love with that too. That was the first time I actually got to travel, other than like on tour uh, on land, uh, and I did like five of those in a row. So for like five years, I was on a ship. Uh, and then from then, I went to work for other cruise lines and then uh, saw these guest entertainers that were coming out, which is what you do. And I'm like, man, what a great gig. You don't have to be on the ship for nine months. <laughs> the money's good, and you know, you kind of like dictate your own life. And I said, how do I do that? So that's uh, – I was with my wife years later, and then we're like, let's write a Beatles show because I'm obsessed with them, and everybody likes the Beatles usually. Uh, let's see if we can do it. So it took us about three years to put it together, and uh, – Knock on wood, here we are. I have never interviewed a, uh, a cast member. Oh, yeah. I've interviewed guest entertainers. I've yes. interviewed, uh, well, now Jude, the cruise director, I've interviewed. Yep. So to give people an insight of being a cast member, it is a long commitment. It's like it's like a nine-month or six-month contracts, right? Usually, Right, yeah, usually six to nine months. Uh, although my wife and I, when we were cast members years ago together, we did 16 months straight. Oh. And we're still alive to tell about it. Yeah, and it's a little bit different. It's uh, it's a great gig, but you are away from home for long periods of time. Um, you're what's considered on a lot of ships as a crew member, so you've got other duties like like running boat drills and, and things like that, which, which is fine. I mean, it, for me, it beats like waiting tables in New York City. Yeah. So like, it's it's which a great absolutely. It's it was a great job, but uh, but it's nice to be able to get on and off when you when you want now. What were the most uh, exotic places you went? What were the most exciting places that took you? Oh, man. Easter Island was great. Have you been there? Oh, Oh, Easter Island was great. And I have, growing up on the south side of Chicago, you know, like uh, uh, we we have this tendency to kind of procure things from different places as souvenirs. So uh, I remember like kind of scraping off a piece of the rock from one of the heads. Oh, no. You mean the treasure that's uh, probably valuable? uh, No, I mean, I'm just kidding. I never did that. Uh, and I and I also did not do it at uh, St. Peter's Basilica in Rome, cool. or um, or in you know in Greece in Athens. <laughs> well, there's one thing I heard about Easter Island is yeah. that it's like once you it's a long way to get there, it's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. But other than seeing the big giant heads, there's not much to do there. Is that true? That's true. There's a there's a fun little. Uh, like they, they have, it's kind of like a park now. You know, you pay to get in, uh, but there's all these little beaches. There are li- these little hidden coves that you can go to, and it's like you're in the Blue Lagoon. And there's wild horses running around everywhere. But, but yeah, there isn't much to do. But it's so beautiful there, and it's and apparently there aren't a lot of trees because years ago to build these big heads, they had to roll them on these. They cut the trees down to roll them across. That's how they would move them around. So because of that there's not a lot of birds, not a lot of trees. Well, I heard there's a uh, they that they go really deep into the ground. Like that's what. Yeah, yeah there's a one the one meme uh, somebody made online. They photoshopped it and they said they dug even deeper and they actually had legs. <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah, I, I guess they they are. They're buried pretty deep. So I don't know. It's a lot of a lot of work done to just have a statue, in my opinion. <laughs> so give me your uh, what was the roughest seas you had. You've ever had to oh, endure uh, the Tasman Sea for sure. We were uh, near like we're going through uh, Ushuaia, Argentina, but the, the Tasman Sea was. I felt like I was a cat hanging onto a curtain. But before that, years ago on Disney, there was one time we were stuck in the middle of a hurricane near. We couldn't uh, dock in Cape Canaveral because the uh, all the docks got destroyed, and that was um, li- it was literally like walking on the highest. Uh, level on a treadmill like the highest angle so that, that was pretty weird yeah and all of the guests would they got their blankets and they slept in the atrium in the in the middle of the ship because for those who don't know the middle of the ship is the calmest so they're literally just a bunch of people yeah that was the worst yeah were you pretty good with uh, like ships and seasickness before you get started working yeah i'm i've always been fine knock on wood it's it's uh I, it just makes me sleepy, you know? Right. I don't need, like, the sea calm or anything. I'm okay. Now, we've had uh, one of the cast members this week 
had some stomach issues. <laughs> yes. And what was I've been on some where they had to do with a code red, as they call it, where for people who don't know, you they basically shut everything down and wipe everything and disinfect yeah. everything. Uh, have you had to go through that or suffered from it? Yes, I've been. Well, I've never suffered from it personally, but I've been through on ships where they call it code red. It should be called a code something else, but we'll go code red. Uh, where the, yeah, they'll take away all like the salt and pepper shakers off the tables, anything that other humans touch, you know, and uh, it's rough on the crew because they have to double up on what they have to do. You know, they you, you can't get your own drinks. You have to they have to get it for you. But um, but, you know, that's what they do to make it healthy. So it works. Have you ever had uh, gotten sick? No, no, no. I oh. not luckily. I mean, I've gotten like fluey and stuff, but uh, or I've just had some bad chicken or something. But it's uh, <laughs> but nothing like that. No, thankfully enough, I'm. I've seen them cancel shows because the seats were too rough. Yeah. Have you had that happen? Yes, uh, not with our Beatles show, but years ago when I was a cast member, there would be a lot of lifts and things going on on stage that could be dangerous. So, uh, or swinging set pieces in the air. So they've had, or, or we've altered shows to, you know, okay, we're not going to jump up here. We're not going to, you know, go on this platform. Uh, and actually in our Beatles show too, I, we've had rough seas or, and as you know, like sometimes if the cast can't go on, as you know, they call, they call you. Yeah. Yeah. I had to move up a day because somebody got sick. Um, I asked Jude about this when she was on, when it comes to guest entertainers, and you've been doing this longer than me, and you've seen more, and knock on wood, it hasn't happened to either of us, but have you ever seen anybody bomb so badly they've had to kick them off the ship? And you don't have to name names, but... Oh, yeah, bomb is in, like, their act bombing? Yeah, like, the people hated them so much, like, they had to... Yes, I have. Uh, There was one comedian... Uh, and it, we were in Alaska, and I, yeah, I won't mention names, but uh, there's two. Every night there were these two little um, Asian kids that were in the front row, with, and with their parents, and they would leave, they would always come to the back then they had the ten o'clock show as a late show. They'd come to every yeah they come to every ten o'clock show, and leave halfway through because it was bedtime. I don't know why they didn't just come to the first show. So this comedian person was on stage, and um, first she's talking about things that you would should never talk about especially on certain cruise lines that are not for that kind of an audience uh so she's uh making those jokes and then these kids these asian kids and i say asian because uh for this show they had little chopsticks that they were banging during her act she's a comedian well i already just mentioned the sex of the person so that's not good but anyway uh so banging these uh chopsticks and and the kids get up to leave and she says hey where are you going don't forget your chopsticks. And the audience didn't see that these Asian kids had oh, chopsticks. No. So you just heard everyone go, <gasps> and then she just, she tried to get herself back. She says, no, 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 they really have chopsticks. Show them your chopsticks. <laughs> <laughs> and then they just, they, they bombed. And then uh, there was another lady, somebody told me about on another ship that, uh, she did something where she, she'd never worked on ships before. And to their, to their, credit like their agents didn't warn them hey you need to tone it down i'm sure you know no there is a learning curve to go from clubs to uh yeah it took me a while i mean i got pulled aside yeah once to you know just say hey we don't say that here and you gotta learn you gotta learn hopefully you don't get thrown off while you're doing it but i think about it as like i'm doing my show at like a church picnic or something you know and you know you could there's a line but they these people this so this lady crossed over it so much they canceled her second show that night and then she got off the next day Wow. And this other, the first lady I'm talking about, they canceled all of, they pulled all of her dates. So <laughs> don't forget your chopsticks. Don't forget your, don't chopsticks. Go, don't forget your gong yeah. and your chopsticks. Yes. And your... your gong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. That's so bad. Oh, God. Um, so you've been doing this, what, you said 16 years on ships? Yeah, well, so my first ship I ever did was Disney, and it was uh, the end of 1999. So, yeah, quite, almost 20 years now. So what are the biggest changes you've seen in the cruise industry, not just in the entertainment, but in, in cruising? What What's the trend that you've seen that is the biggest difference from when you started? Um, I've noticed that a lot of lines are trying to cater more towards a younger audience now, Uh you know, years ago, like the shows you would see would be like Frank Sinatra, that kind of that kind of thing. Um, uh, and they're they're trying to gear not just younger, but like I'd say when I say younger, I mean between the ages of thirty and seventy. You know, <laughs> right. so they're trying to get to that that age now because the they're getting past the baby boomer era. Uh, so they're doing that, and they're also um, 
they're doing a lot more excursions now. I've noticed to like little, like little or smaller places. Like for example, in in Juno, uh, they have an excursion to go to Tracy's Crab Shack. And who, for those who don't know, it's amazing crab. They used to get their crab sourced from the guys from uh, the Deadliest Catch. So they're tied with them, and now they have two locations. I don't work for them, by the way. But <laughs> it's the one right by the pier, right? There's one by the pier, but if you go further down, a little secret, if you go further down, there's a place called The Hangar. Um, right past there, there's another location, which is huge, and no one's ever there. Well, now they will be, but yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. So, yeah, that would be, I think, just uh, they're trying to cater more for a bro- broader audience now. Um you know, there's little things every year you see, like like on some of the ships that we're on, the, they'll upgrade the TVs. Um, they're getting they're getting out of the rent to DVD from the front desk, so yeah. they're putting in like a Netflix of the ship, which is cool. Some other lines we've been on, uh, the Wi-Fi has been so fast that you buy a package for, for the week for like forty bucks, and it's unlimited, and you can stream Netflix or any channel. You know, you know, oh. we're talking about the the Bears game later today. Oh, You'd be able man. to stream it, but you're saying it's it's fast enough that it's not a big deal yeah not on this line but yeah. another yeah but there's I'm amazed uh and we've been on some of the like the higher end lines like like crystal and things like that where it's all included anyway but it's so fast like wow. i mean in a way that's bad because then i'll never leave my cabin yeah. you know but it's it's awesome it's nice to have well i understand like them uh, when when they want to make the people pay, but it, for those of us working on it, it's like, come on, man, we got we got a life, man. And then especially if you're on for nine months or something, and a lot of these, the crew especially, you know, they got families in the Philippines that they haven't seen, and you know, let them give us some Wi-Fi, man. We got to work. Yeah, it's rough, especially the people from the Philippines that work. They're working, you know, seventy-hour work weeks for seven months straight, and. Their only connection home is, you know, Skyping with their family at like two o'clock in the morning. So it'd be nice for them to have a good signal whenever they want. Is there an itinerary that was probably your favorite? Like if you see a region and you're going, oh, I can't wait to get back there. Yeah. You know what? Dubrovnik, Croatia was a a, Have you been there? I've been there like four or five times. Oh, man. I was just there. I've been there twice. The first time was before Game of Thrones came out. Second was after. And, uh, I didn't realize how awesome that city is. And just that region, anywhere in Europe, really, I don't get to go there very often. We, we tend to go on the cheaper cruises. But, uh, but Europe, um, being the, in Greece was great. But yeah, Dubrovnik, just, there's, oh, in Italy too. I love Rome. I love the, the cities with all that rich history, you know, as corny as that sounds. It's so awesome to me. The older I get, the more I want to learn about it. Are, are there places around the world where they respond differently to the Beatles songs as opposed to others? Sure. There's audiences, and I'm sure you know, that respond less than others. Um, well, I mean, I have, I got to stick with the English speakers. I mean, I mean, yeah. you forget how universal, going back to Dubrovnik, yeah. I went there the day that I arrived there, the first time I went, it was the day Michael Jackson died. Oh, wow. And everywhere they were doing, the bar, I just walked to a bar in Dubrovnik yeah. and... People were doing shots for Michael. They were playing Michael Jackson music. And then it just dawned on me just how huge he was around the world. And so the Beatles, in some ways, are as big or bigger. So even, you know, I've been to your show twice already. And I've seen people from, you know, China singing along to the songs. So, I mean, I don't have that. (laughs) That guy probably didn't speak much English at all, if any, and he still knew the songs. So you got that going for (laughs) you. Yeah, I guess so. I can't imagine, like, I don't have the courage to do what you do, man. For those who have not seen Mike's show, it's you're one of the greats, man. Oh, that's it's uh, it's like I'm performing with George Carlin, <laughs> except not, except better looking. Oh yeah, sure. Well, that's very nice of you. But I mean, but you you probably could go to Asia and they would know the song. Yeah, and in fact, we've had people come up to us too, who don't speak good English who have said, you know what, I learned phonetically how to speak English from Beatles songs. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, I mean, they're not as responsive. Like, hey, you know, that's usually North America. Uh, they do that, but uh, but they really appreciate it. They, yeah, they all know the songs. You know, mm-hmm. they all know she loves you. You know, right. or yesterday or whatever. Uh, it's the in between moments. They probably are like, huh? You know, mm-hmm. but uh, but yeah, it's that's the universal language is music. So I feel like it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can say that, and any, <laughs> any anybody can pronounce that. Um, you just went to London, right? So was yes. this your first trip? So give me a little, uh, yeah. 
oversight of what you did over there. Well, before London, uh, two years ago, we went to Liverpool twice, which was it was like a religious experience for me because uh, being a big sure. Beatles fan, got to go to like their homes and everything. Uh, the Casbah, which was a lot of people don't know, where the Beatles played before the Cavern Club. Uh, and still owned by Pete Best's uh, family. They, That's so crazy that they still own that. Yeah, yeah, and his brother does the tours, R- Rory Best. Uh, but yeah, we went to London for a wedding. Uh, my wife's friend from ships years ago, uh, Jenna, got married, and it was a great wedding. And uh, we got to stay in a place called the Isle of Dogs, which is where they live. It's a really nice area near... Uh, oh, crap, I forgot the name of the, the port. But uh, we, we took the Clipper into London... Went to Westminster Abbey, you know, saw all the all the things. But the coolest moment for me was crossing Abbey Road, <laughs> and we found another family of Americans that we we swapped cameras and stuff, and we just got great photos. And uh, I use it in my slideshow in the pre-show now. It's, you got the you got the photo crossing the street, yeah, right? Next time I go, I want to try and get into Abbey Road Studios. I guess they do tours once in a while, but they were all sold out when I got. There. I have a photo of the uh, the first time I went. Uh, I have a photo of the outside of Abbey Road, yeah. and I did the. Of course, I walked across the street. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we all did. And then, uh, yeah, I did that Liverpool uh, tour. Well, yeah. well, magical mystery tour they call it, of course. Yeah. So we saw all the their boyhood homes, right. and then we saw um, Strawberry Field. Mm-hmm. You go there, yeah. and then uh, I loved uh, Penny Lane. Because you go there to the intersection, and it's All like the songs, it's yeah. in the song. There's yeah. the roundabout and the barbershop. Yeah, yeah Tony Slavins. Yeah. That's really nerdy that I know that. Uh, we we found a tour. We didn't do that one. That's a great one that you went on too. But we did one. It was one of those private, this little old man who grew up with them. Then uh, his name was Tony, I think. Just you know, Tony Slavin. I think his name was Tony. And uh, and he it was a seven hour long tour. Like we, my my poor wife was oh, like ready to fall asleep and, and kill me. Yeah, she is. Uh, so we uh, we went around and then he he said, "Give me your email address and I'll send you all the photos of the references of what I have." And the last photo he said was, uh, "That's me in the middle and it's him with all the all the Beatles just hanging out like at the Cavern Club." I was like, "Oh my god, this guy was really there. It's so cool." That's great. I always wondered about this. If after, especially after watching the George Harrison documentary on. Uh, living in the material world right. and they go to his house friar park this massive oh, place man, man. outside of london and it's just ripe for being a museum i don't know why it isn't already maybe his his wife yeah. does i think she still lives does there she maybe still live there the, okay so. but i think that would make a cool place or a hotel yeah. it looks like it could be awesome but i'm just dying for the time that they're just like let me in there i want to see on, it man come on <laughs> let us in so what's on your list of places you'd like to see that you haven't been to yet uh, let's see i'd like to go to venice italy i've never been there no, really? no. not even on a ship not even on a ship i'd like to go there believe it or not i want to go um i mean i've i've been before but i want to go again i miss fishing in minnesota i know that's kind of weird that's but okay. uh there uh i've never been to um never been to paris i'd like to try paris one day never been to paris i've ne- i've been to amsterdam airport but i've never oh. seen amsterdam uh, and, uh, basically more places in, oh, I'd like to go to Germany, Poland. Um, yeah. Oh, and, and uh, I, no, we've been to Ireland, but I'd like to see more of Ireland too, you know, other than Dublin, which is great though. Were your, uh, was your parents into traveling? Were, were you a traveling family or did you stick close to Lockport? Oh, no way, man. We, I, well, I actually grew up in Bridgeport, which is the South, South side, like near Comiskey Park, but the old Comiskey Park. And then, uh, we moved to Lockport when I was in high school cause you know, uh, they wanted to be in the suburbs and better life for kids, I guess. And as my little brother and I, uh, but, uh, no, we never, we, we went camping in Michigan, you know, like camping, camping, like in tents and stuff, which I, I, I really missed though, but I loved it, but it was, it was a pretty cheap vacation. Oh, once in a while we'd go to like, um, the Wisconsin Dells, sure. go on the water slides, Indiana beach. Baraboo. Yeah. Yeah. Baraboo. <laughs> I used to go devil's head, right? Yep. Go camping there. Yep. That's where I learned to ski. That's right up there, and uh, there was I think it was called Mountain High. There was maybe another yeah, one. That's so cool. And that's what I thought was skiing. You know, there's like this little hill <laughs> that takes five minutes to go down, and I was like, ah, this is okay. And then I went to Colorado the first time and went, oh, oh this is skiing. I get it. Is. How were you with the, with the altitude when you ski there the first time? I was fine. Yeah. Fine. I mean, it's just, yeah, somewhere around over 10,000 feet, you'll start to feel a little... Uh, I found uh, you know shortness of breath and you right. got to pee a little. It's hard yeah. to sleep, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it wasn't until I got to Kilimanjaro that I realized <laughs> fifteen thousand feet was my uh, limit of feeling cool. good. That one was hard. But um, so you stuck 
mostly around yeah the Midwest and they uh, like with uh, Wisconsin we go to Rhinelander Wisconsin Rhinelander. yeah and uh, Rhinelander beer. Yes, Rhinelander beer. Uh, there was some of the college piss that I used to drink right there. <laughs> or Grain Belt. You ever drink that? Hit <laughs> you a Grain Schaefer. Belt. Schaefer was... The yes, yes. The first... My dad uh, took me to a strip club when I was 21 and... Um, what a dad. What a dad. Thanks, dad. And uh, uh, St. Paul, Minnesota. I think it was St. Paul, downtown St. Paul. It was called uh, Augie's. Perfect. And there was a, uh, that's when I had my first grain belt because I was 21. So that was, wow. <laughs> what a childhood. <laughs> yeah. I can remember all those cheap, uh, yep. cheap Wisconsin beers. There was Rhinelander, there was uh, Lining Kugels, yeah, Old Style, Blatz, old Pabst. Style. <laughs> oh, man. Strohs. Strohs. Oh, God, there were so many. Well, I went to summer camp up there, northern Wisconsin, oh, up cool. by uh, nice. Manaqua. You know where that yeah, is? I know where that is. Way yeah, up. I fished there. Yeah. That's awesome. What do you fish? Uh, what do I fish? Usually we, we try, my favorite is for walleye, walleye. northern pike, you know, uh, never caught a muskie, uh, but usually like panfish, like bluegill, right. and stuff like that. Uh, okay, so Kazimek, I'm guessing that's uh, Polish? Yeah, well. Wow, a Chicago guy from Poland. Yeah. <laughs> Go figure, yeah, from Southside. I know, that never happens. Well, actually, apparently years and years ago, my great, great uh, grandparents, uh, the last name was originally Kazimachitis, and I guess my great-great-grandfather had a bakery in Chicago, and he knew that the name sounded like a disease. So he changed it to Kazimach. You know, I'm, you can't say, hey, I'm going to go to get Kazimachitis right. in Chicago. So, um, Or it's a good pickup line. Yeah. Is that one or, the, one or the other? But yeah, that's what it was. But, right. but it's Kazimach, very long Polish. Um, you know, it's a good uh, – no one's going to ever have that SAG name. Yeah. <laughs> Well, if you uh, if you do go to Poland eventually, yeah. when I told people I was from Chicago in Poland, they all went, "Oh, I got a cousin there. I got a brother. I got to yeah. go see my nephew or whatever." Like they all know somebody yeah. in Chicago. It's just it's amazing because as we like to say in Chicago, it's the second second largest Polish population outside of Warsaw, I believe. Yeah, yeah, they have a Taste of Polonia festival. You ever go there? It's a but, but, uh, what's the name of that theater? The Gateway Theater on Lawrence Avenue. Okay. They have that every year. You could play bingo with old ladies and the Baby Doll Polka Club. I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Come on and join us. Yeah, the uh, that was the first time I had ever. I didn't know other cities didn't celebrate Casimir Pulaski Day. Growing up, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I tell people in LA that yeah, we had this Pulaski Day off. They're like, you had a what? They had no idea. I totally forgot about that remember day. That? Yeah, I do. Oh my god. <laughs> That brings me back. That and the Bozo Show. Bozo. Yeah. How long have you lived in L.A.? Uh, for about eight years now. Yeah, my wife's originally from there. Um, we lived in New York for a while. We lived in a story when we were doing the acting thing. And then uh, um, her Colleen, her family is from L.A. too. So we wanted to be around one of our families. My family, most of them live in Michigan now because oh. my parents retired. So do we want to live in the woods or do we want to yeah. live in a city where there's things around us? So that's why we chose there. So... Have you taken the L.A. girl to uh, Chicago in the dead of winter yet? Oh, yeah. She's been there. Oh. She, 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 she loves snow. She, I remember the first time I was walking in front of her, and I just felt something like tap me in the back. And she's trying to make a snowball, but she, does, she never made one before. So it's like a little piece of snow, and she thought it was the greatest thing in the world. Yeah, me, I, I, I'm, I'm okay without snow for yeah. a while. I, I've I've uh, scraped enough windshields in my life to <laughs> never have to go back. So where do you see yourselves? Uh, do you see you staying in L.A., you think, or staying on the seas, or do you have plans to get on land? What, what, what are you doing? Because I saw you last night. You were trying to design a, um, a, <laughs> yes. a, a video game, I guess. Yeah, uh, being on the ship, as you know, we have a lot of downtime, and uh, I taught myself to write code. And uh, I'm really in, involved in, uh, well, the, the way this all started is I'm really into VR. I've got the Oculus Quest headset. And uh, uh, I never really got to say goodbye to the house I grew up in because um, my parents moved out, but I was always on ships. So I've got all these photo references of the house, and I rebuilt it in VR. I learned a 3D model. So, and I'll show it to you later. Um, and I made an exact replica of the house I grew up in. So you could put the VR headset and walk around. I mean, what better like snapshot or photo album do you have than actually experiencing it? Even uh, animated our, our dog, who's no longer with us. That's a little creepy. Yeah. Uh, grandma's next. 
<laughs> have your parents put this headset on and seen yeah, it? Yeah, well, that was a cool thing. My mom didn't even know what this was, what a VR headset was. So I just put it on her and I just didn't say anything. You'd see like the tears come down. Oh. This was so sweet. Um, so that got me and I'm like, oh, I can make my own video game. Um, so I started doing that and my friend, the bass player on here, he also codes. He codes in Java and uh, we just started collaborating. It's really just for fun. But if we can ever make money at it, great. But but you asked like what I see myself doing, doing exactly this. I love it. I don't have to audition for anything anymore. <laughs> um, Colleen, I know she, she still, she wants to do theater again eventually. So we'll probably go back to New York, I think, eventually. And, um, uh, and if we don't, we don't. But I'm just, I'm enjoying, this is exactly where I want to be right now. Aren't some of these lines doing actual Broadway shows on on there, right? Yeah, uh, I know, like Royal Caribbean, they uh, Norwegian lines like that with a huge, huge theaters. They're doing full blown like Mamma Mia, uh, uh, Rock of Ages shows like that. We will rock you. That's on another ship. Very cool. I could I could totally see you do it, a Rock of Ages. Both of you. Oh my god, that's my dream, man. I would love to. <laughs> Even just to be the guitar player in it, oh, yeah, it'd be yeah, awesome. Yeah. Well, you got to pick up a band every ship you go to, yeah. And they can't all be good, right? I mean, have you ever gotten a band like? Have you ever gone to the the ship or like the cruise director and said, "Hey, man, this this whatever this drummer is not working. He can't get it." Yeah, unfortunately, we don't have a say in that. I can't be like, "Well, this drummer sucks, so we can't do the show." But we have been on uh, not on this line, but we've been on some lines where a, a lot of the band members are. Um, really amazing jazz musicians and some of them from like the Ukraine or Russia and they've never heard these Beatles songs before. How is that possible? That's I mean, what I say. This is like the first three chords you learn, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's you, you learn that in Smoke on the Water. Yeah, that's right. it. They're not the most complicated arrangements. No, no, not at all. And uh, they just don't get it and it's it it, it, it it doesn't have the feel of what you need for a Beatles song. There's something to it and um, I mean, they're they're good musicians, but if you don't have exactly written in a chart, because I go on a ship, I have the charts for all the all the songs, and they will play exactly what's there. So I, it took me a long time to make it exactly so you can get the feel of it, even if you've never heard the songs. Very strange. Yeah, I mean, can you just give them like at some point, just go, here's all the files, just give them all the MP3s, and just say yeah. these are the here here are the most popular songs in the world. Just learn them. Just at least be familiar with them. Yeah, that's a that's a really good idea. I should do that, but I always feel like I'm, I don't know, disrespecting them by assuming that they don't know these songs. So I don't. And um, lately, though, it's it's been great. The band's been great, and and as you know, like you, we've been on this ship for a little. It will be six weeks coming when we leave. Uh, uh, so we got to know the band, and they're great. And and after like the first show, they get it under their belt. They, they've always been fine. But I've never had a somebody who's been that bad. You know, right, right. It, I mean, I've had it where I've been the worst person, but like not them. They're always they're pros. They have to be able to read really well and and work with whatever you have. And we don't use the whole orchestra on some ships. We we just use the rhythm section, which is piano, drums, guitar, and bass player. So we don't we don't have any horns. So it makes it easier. Have you ever uh, had serious technical difficulties on some of these ships? I mean, <laughs> right now we're in this big, beautiful theater, but sometimes they ever put you in like in a smaller lounge or something like that? Uh, not on this line, uh, but but we've been in on other lines where we've been in a smaller lounge, like the, the theater, like things were in danger of falling from the ceiling. <laughs> but I've had things happen all the time on stage where like power will cut out, I'll break a string. Um, I've been electrocuted on stage before oh, really? where... Um, if the ship's not grounded correctly, if I have my fingers on the guitar string and my lips hit the metal of the mic, it sends a current through me. <laughs> oh. uh, so I had to like Almost back away time. pretty much. <laughs> so, uh, but but I mean that's that doesn't happen very often. There, uh, and once it does happen, they know how to reground or whatever. I don't know much about electronics that way, but uh, but yeah, things happen all the time. Or I've fallen, you know. <laughs> it's just Spinal Tap. Right, you right, know? right. Where did you fall? I wanted, that would have been funny. And how did you oh, cover up for it? God. Oh, well, this was uh, – sometimes we'll do a crew show. So a lot of the crew on the ships, they work late. They can't see our show. So we did we did a show just for the crew. And uh, I'll add other songs, like from other – like we did – we were doing Don't Stop Believing by Journey. Okay. And there's that little guitar solo. Every one of Journey's songs has a guitar solo. Nobody noodles more than that guy. Yes. Neil Sean. Uh, so greatest fro, greatest Jew fro ever in rock and roll, though. That is a great Jew fro, oh, man. Yeah, yeah, sweet one. <laughs> so, so in the in the theater, this is on the Amsterdam, which is the same yeah. ship as we're on now, but a different, same, same style of ship. Uh, and off the stage, there's these little tables. And on some ships, they're bolted to the ground. Oh, and so there's two next to each other. So I thought, 
this is cool. I can't do this on our show, but I'm going to step on these. I'm going to walk yeah, across the theater on these tables. Going to surf those tables. And I literally, as soon as one foot went on it, my whole body flew up into the air. <laughs> And I came down on my ribs, and all you saw in the video was just my guitar being held up, saving my guitar. I I didn't break my ribs, but I broke. There's like the little like tendons in between your ribs, and I cracked those. And I guess it's even more painful. I couldn't breathe deep for three months, and I got up immediately because people ran to me. I'm like, no, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then I'm thinking I'm gonna die. Yeah, but that that was that was the time I there was no covering that up. <laughs> Did you finish the show? Yeah, I did. Yeah, it was towards the end anyway, but I just kind of laid back because we we had the cast at the time okay. join in and they were singing the Journey songs, uh, and there there's been a time where I've jumped. Sometimes you know when I do Hey Jude at the end, I'll jump off the stage and have a, a, somebody in the audience sing Na Na Na. Well, I jumped off and I just did Leg Day that day at the gym, <laughs> and my legs just went. <laughs> I literally just knelt down. I couldn't even stay up. So. Did, uh... That's funny. Have you ever had, speaking of injuries on the ship, yeah. I cracked my head open once in Puerto Vallarta and they stitched it up on the ship, but they uh, did a nice job and they didn't charge me or anything. Have you ever had to go to, how does it work usually? Maybe I shouldn't say that. Maybe they're going to send me a bill later, no, but what, uh, have you ever had to make use of the uh, the doctor? Yes. Uh, I've cracked a tooth once back, well, when I was a cast member, it's different too. Since you're a crew member, you also get covered by the but we now like we're supposed to pay that's great you got it you got it must have snuck in under the deadline well that cruise line is is not no longer a business (laughs) anyway wink uh yeah but uh like usually it's just a cold but i've never injured myself enough to where i really needed to go i mean i should have gone to the doctor when i fell off the stage with my ribs but i just you know we we've luckily we have got some medical people in our family and so they they can kind of diagnose us and stuff like that but knock on wood hasn't happened yet have you ever been reprimanded or fired from a ship? Um, I've been reprimanded on Disney years ago when I had – they walked in. They would do cabin inspection. Once in a while, they come in and just make sure everything's working. Well, I forgot that I left it out. I had like seven candles. <laughs> uh, I was uh, – Trying to get that Stevie Nicks vibe in your in your <laughs> cabin there? Yeah, just trying to get stand back. <laughs> yeah, just I don't know. I just wanted a little ambiance, and I didn't even really. It was necessary. It was more for the smell, you know. And uh, and uh, I, I would appreciate like, open flame on the no, ships. No, no. no it, but looking back, that was pretty stupid. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so don't don't light candles on ships. But that was only. I think that was the only time I ever got reprimanded. But I. Oh no! There was one time, uh, Colleen and I, when we were cast members years ago, we almost missed the ship. Uh, we got off. We were in San Diego, and we were, and now every day for or every week we were in San Diego for months. All aboard was three p.m. For some reason, we didn't look this one time. They changed it to two. Oh. So we we're at the car car rental place bringing our car back, and a friend calls and says, "Oh, where are you? The ship's gonna leave." And uh, we made it back, and we got we got said, "Hey, don't do that again." But yeah. but that was it. I was once the last guy. I can't remember. Where, I think it was in Alaska somewhere. I was the very last person back on the ship, and they. Actually said, "Hey, come on, man! Yeah, you got man. It's scary. Oh. Literally running toward the ship, yeah. and they're about to pull in the uh, the gangway. Yeah, that's one of the scariest. That's my biggest fear. Like, I'll make sure I'm back to the ship like at least two hours before I'll aboard. What about uh, traveling in terms of flying? Because I know from other musicians that I've talked to that their their guitars have gotten beaten, uh, gotten lost." Yeah. Everything else. Have you ever had any, uh, give me your flight nightmares? Uh, knock on wood. I've been okay. I found this guitar case by a company called Mono. Uh, Mono, if you want to endorse me, I'll take. Uh, there's a, They have a guitar case which holds two thin-body guitars. And I used to have a like a thicker-body acoustic I travel with and then a thin-body electric. But because of this case, I got a thin-body acoustic and a thin-body electric. They go in one case. And it's 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 a soft shell case, but it's so well made. It's like a hard shell case, and usually I could get that on as a carry on. Um, if not, I pack it up so good with other clothes that it I'll I'll just gate check it. They'll let me gate check it, and it's I haven't had a problem yet. Oof. So lucky, oh, yeah, yeah. So um, you know, and well, the thing the rule is like with in our contract, uh, like if we can't come to the ship without things we need to do our show, then they let us go. So we have to do all we can to get on board with everything. So if, if our luggage gets lost, I still have, like we always travel with our costume and we always travel with the guitars so we can still do the show. Yeah. But I was going to say, it's like, uh, I've, I've had uh, magicians tell me, you know, if they, if they're, oh, if their yeah. tricks can't make it, 
and miss the flight, they're done. They yeah. can't just like, I'm, I'm walking in with my little uh, carry-on and, and they hate looking at me because magicians are paying thousands of dollars for baggage fees and stuff. Oh, it man. seems like such a hassle. Yeah, you're so lucky, man. <laughs> but then again, I can't do what you do. You're all alone. I can't do what you do. No, you can't. You don't have a band to fall back on. It's just you. Oh, man, I wish I did. <laughs> Many nights I wish I did. If you want to give advice to people who are thinking of getting into the business, whether on a performer side, or a guest entertainer, or a cast member, how would you, what do you recommend to them? Uh, once you write your show, if you're a musician or something like that, uh, make sure you perform it a lot in front of as many people as you can before you get on the ship, because things happen all the time. Uh, so, like strings break or, or Sometimes one time we didn't have a bass player because they didn't have one on board, so we had to have the other keys play it. Make sure you're prepared in that way. Like imagine everything that can go wrong, and then do the show. You know, just be prepared and be prepared to to change too. Um, if they may tell you, as you know, they may say, "Hey, we just want 20 minutes," or we just, you know, usually it's 45. Or like, "Hey, can you do 35 today?" I mean, for us it's easier. We can just cut a song, but not for you. You know, you right. things flow, but. Uh, just make sure you're ready for that um, and just practice a lot, you know, and, and really do it as in front of people if you can. Well, I think about this now going back to the Beatles and in terms of uh, practice, because I don't know if you read any uh, like Malcolm Gladwell stuff and, and that kind of thing, yeah, right. like 10,000 hours of, yeah. of practice. And one of the, he pointed to the Beatles of them working in Hamburg. On the Reaper Bond there, which yeah. is another place. Have you been? Very good. No, that's the one place I want to go. Okay, yeah, that's. I think sh- ships may stop there. Yeah. I mean, it's a port. It's, it's, it that's is. why it was such a big Kaiser red light Keller. district. Yeah, yeah. Kaiser yeah. Keller was a club. And uh, so, but they would play every single night, like mm-hmm. eight to ten hours a night. Yeah. And they didn't realize that there was just a gig to them, but they were getting so much better every day and every year. And I think about that when I see these musicians, like say there's a jazz combo that plays every night on board and there's no way to do that. You, yeah, you play a lot of the same songs, but there's no way to do that gig and not get better. I mean, were you ever a musician playing that much every single night? Sure. Uh, When I would play in some of these bar bands I was in, we'd play for five hours uh, like 20 minutes and take a break for five minutes and we'd play five hours uh, a few nights a week, you know. Uh, would you have to take requests and you would ever know what's on the charts and everything? Well, there is. Years ago, I, I did a solo guitar gig on a Royal Caribbean ship for a couple months, which is the best teaching I could have, like, lesson I could have ever gotten because I was playing, I was all by myself in a little Irish pub and I would basically play whatever people wanted and if I didn't know the song, I'd learn it for the next day and uh for uh, like six hours a night, six days a week. And I got, my chops got so much yeah. better, you know. Um, and you learn all kinds of music. And uh, it, that was a great gig. But yeah, the more you play, like I said, the more the better you're going to get. What does it do to your voice, though, singing every single night? That's got to wear it out. It, it can, but you just, you find ways to sing without sounding like a nerd, like singing prop more properly. Um Use your diaphragm. Yeah, I mean, and you don't even think about it. That's such a weird thing to say. Yeah, I, I, would know, use I, I have no idea what it means, but yeah. I've just seen it in movies. Well, I've got one in my pocket yeah, here. Yeah, for... yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's just singing properly uh, to where it doesn't hurt. And you you know your limits, and you try not to talk too much. Because a lot of musicians' mistakes they make is after the gig, well, I make the same thing. Let's go out and party. And then, like, today, my voice is really low. Because we had our show last night, and then I went out. We were hanging out and yeah. stuff, <laughs> coding, because right. we're not nerd, nerd alert. Exactly, uh, but yeah, you just take care of your voice, drink a lot of water, and uh, try try to stay away from a lot of alcohol the night before a show. Like our show, we we have ours tomorrow. Uh, I you know I'm not going to go out tonight. Yeah. You know, but we only, we only have the one show, which is good, and we only yeah, have that's right. and we only have 20 minutes each. So I think, we, I think we we could okay. get through it. We'll yeah. be fine. We'll, we'll we'll be okay. We'll live. Plus, it'll be my last night, so we have to go out and oh, celebrate. Right. Yeah, I'm leaving. You're on for another, what, month? Yeah, yeah, another four weeks. Oh, I forgot you're leaving. That makes me sad. Oh, somebody else will take my place, and then somebody after that. It's just the circle of life, man. Circle of life. <laughs> so if if you weren't doing the Beatles, what would you rather, is there a style of music you would rather be doing, or you don't have to pick one specific yeah. band, or what would you be doing? Uh, if it wasn't the Beatles, I'm really into like uh, '70s, like classic rock, that kind of stuff. The stuff we all grew up on. Absolutely. Uh, and if not that, um, I really like um, I, I like 
jazz like not not jazz like uh, Pat Metheny. I mean, I, I appreciate Pat Metheny, but like old big band like Tommy Dorsey kind of stuff. I the, people were so cool back then, you know, like uh, stuff like that. I, I like so much of it. I also like like uh, John Prine and Steve Goodman. These guys that very Chicago, yeah, very Chicago, and uh, these people that are just the guitar. They're the songwriters. Like the Americana songwriters, I'm, I think I would enjoy doing that. Do you have a like uh, s- uh, solo albums or anything we can get online, or you want to plug? Plug away right here. Yeah, yeah. If you go onto either iTunes or, or just Google Jesse Kazemek, K A Z E M E K, you'll find all of my music online. If you want to check it out, um, if not, there's other artists to check out too. <laughs> Are you on Spotify? Does that pay anything? I heard bad things that it doesn't really yeah, pay much. You get like um, I think point zero zero one cent per download. I think and uh, iTunes might be kind of similar to that. I can't remember. Uh, I, I get a check maybe every four months for about twenty bucks. So I'm rich. Well, I hear the uh, you know when I work with other guest entertainers who are musicians. You know, they have to. You know, they all sell their CDs after the show, right. but I guess you can't because it's all. Beatles oh, songs, right? No, or can you? Yeah, we actually used to sell CDs. Um, I paid royalties to, to oh, record yeah. the songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause, and it's not a lot because we don't sell on the bracket of like millions of CDs. We'd sold like 200. Right. Uh, not per, I mean, it's in like six months. Yeah. Uh, but we used to, but a lot of people, no one's really buying CDs anymore. So we just, I still have some and I give them away if people ask for them. You know, I'll give it to them. But, uh, um, I know it's stressful recording Beatles songs too. I mean, we kind of made our own versions, but but still not at our heads to the correct direction. But uh, yeah, people aren't playing CDs so much. So, and the thing is too, and I learned this later is, if I want to listen to a Beatles song, I'm going to listen to the Beatles do it. I'm like, I'm not going to hear this Kazimek Polish guy from Chicago singing them. So I just give them away now, and uh, we just, you know, we, we all get paid well enough. I don't need to sell s- CDs, but uh, maybe someday if they'll make a comeback, we'll sell vinyl. All this travel you've done as a kid from south side of Chicago, and now that you've basically seen the world, how has uh, all this travel changed you as a person and how you see people and America and yourself? How has it changed you? Uh, it's changed me to the fact is... Uh, on ships, it's a big melting pot of people from all over the world. And uh, when we come together, like when we do our Beatles show, it's like everybody is friends, even for 45 minutes, you know, and everybody gets along. It's changed me to where um, I'm not so close-minded with the world, and I and I will actually go and try things and, and, and try different cultures of things and, and learn about it. And it's uh, traveling's really open. I mean, I think it's good for everybody. It really opens up. It broadens my mind and, and just getting along with people, too, uh, without sounding cheesy, but like growing up in the south side of Chicago, you have the south side of Chicago and there's nothing else that exists outside of the world. And this has really opened up the rest of the world to me. And uh, it's really cool. I love meeting people and we meet people from from, from everywhere. And uh, um, I think, you know, they say the best thing for a person to have are, are memories instead of like collecting stuff. And uh, all of my favorite moments that I think about are from traveling and meeting other people. That's great. And speaking of small world, wasn't there someone after your show last night from Lockport or something? Yeah, Lamont. There was two couples oh, from wow. Lamont, Illinois. They used to shop at the grocery store I worked at when I was 16, Chapin's Finer Foods. <laughs> I couldn't believe it, man. It never happens. Yeah. Small world. But Jesse, it's great to uh, meet you this yeah, week. You too, and uh, hopefully we'll get to work again at some point. Yeah. And uh, we can geek out on some music. Sounds like a plan. I love it. I want to see this VR thing. Okay. Now we're going to really nerd out. Yes. Jesse Kazimek, everyone. My friend, I say-